0: Welcome to the Unbranded Podcast with Miss Dean Loves You, where we have interesting conversations with interesting people and learn about unconventional ways to live our best lives. I'm your host, Susie Dean. I'm a former teacher, mother in her MILF era, and wife. I have the incredible experience now of exploring topics and ways of living that I've always been curious about. The conversations on this pod are always relaxed, authentic, and might just teach you a thing or two. I promise that every episode will leave you with a deeper sense of self and understanding for those who are different from you. So get comfy cozy, grab a drink of your choice, and let's have some fun together. If you follow me on social media, You know I've been sharing significantly more about how I support my health and wellness naturally and with the gifts that the earth has provided to us. Whether that be by eating beef liver every day, getting my feet in the earth and eyes in the morning sunlight, or meditating with my crystals, you guys always show curiosity and sometimes even do it along with me. But if you've really been following along, you know that I've been using and loving Young Living's essential oils for years. To not only make my house smell yummy but to manage my anxiety and depression lift my spirits fix bug bites ground manifest detox my house balance my hormones aid in my digestion you name it whether you're seeking a moment of tranquility after a busy day needing assistance with arthritis inflammation chronic headaches or even just need some assistance with soothing your new baby when you're at a loss Young Living's essential oils are your answer, and I'm so confident in saying that. These concentrated plant extracts have been used for centuries to promote well-being and balance in both body and mind, and Young Living's oils specifically go through strict third-party testing and must pass the highest quality standards before they're placed in your home. They are the only oils I trust to use in my home, on my body, and most importantly, around my baby. If you're new to essential oils but thinking they might just be something that would support your health, I'd be so happy to make a wellness plan for you, chat with you through uses and benefits, and give you all of the extra perks that come with making a shift in your life. If you're a seasoned essential oil pro looking to switch to a high-quality brand with strong values and ethics, use the link in the show notes to shop around and use the code SHAREYL for an extra 10% off. Either way, Slide into my DMs for extra perks, gifts, and money back before ordering. These oils will change your life, and I'm so grateful that I get to spend my days using the magic of plants to support my body in working optimally, as it was meant to. Click the link in my bio to explore all that Young Living has to offer, and shoot me a DM if you want to get started. I would love nothing more than to be your new oily buddy. I love you. Now, back to the show. Hello! Happy Thursday afternoon! Here I am again, procrastinating, which is not my favorite thing to do, but hey, sometimes it's necessary. We've had a good week over here. My mother-in-law has been here for the last couple of days, and it's funny because, it's ironic, because we had her come down. We planned this months ago because my boss asked me to take on a couple more projects than usual. So I I told my boss we would have my mother-in-law come down. I let her know the time frame and she said, um, let me know when your mother-in-law is going to be there and I'll make sure you're super busy during that time. And now that we're here, <laughs> random things have happened with my work <laughs> that um have caused projects to be pushed back which was out of everybody's control. So I'm not doing that much work right now. But I'm not doing that much work right now. But other things have picked up so much, so it's still such a blessing that she's here, but I've been just waking up in the morning, getting ready, coming into our office and starting work and it's just been a couple of days and it's felt so good because I am a person who is most awake, alert, creative, and productive in the morning. Right now it's 3.39 and I'm already slowing down. Like my day needs to be over. And that's part of the reason why I was like procrastinating this so much. But here we are. And I wanted to have an episode with you guys just answering some of your questions because I have not scheduled any other guests because I've been, I've been busy and switching things around, moving things around, putting things on the back burner, etc., etc., but it's fine because we can hang out and when I record by myself, there's less for me to edit because I can make a fool of myself if I want to and the only one that suffers is me. So I asked on my Facebook what you guys wanted to know advice you wanted, um, questions that you had about my life, my thoughts, my ideas on things. So let's go through those. While I have read these ahead of time and I read them as they came in, I did not necessarily prepare for any of them. So these are going to be pretty much off the cuff. Okay, first one, tips on how to remind yourself that food is fuel. We need it. Don't neglect ourselves. Many of you, if you've been around for a while, know that I am an eating disorder recovery. I have had disordered eating habits since I was nine. Things got really out of hand in the middle of college and then right around my wedding. And then again, uh, right before I got pregnant with my now son. So this has been an ongoing battle with me and I'm absolutely not perfect still at all. I had a really great relationship with food right after I gave birth, and I've talked about this so much. I feel like I had ultimate balance, ultimate like nirvanic relationship with my body and with food right after I gave birth because... I was able to move my body in a way that I wanted to again. I had so much space. I had so much gratitude for it. I had no like I knew that my body was not going to be the same for a while. So I had no like goals or desire to start losing weight or or make my body look a certain way because I knew that was just going to stress me out and I knew that my main priority was to get as much food as my body needed, into my body so that I can make adequate milk. And that was such a liberating time. And then someone made a comment on the weight that I was losing, and then <laughs> that bubble just like felt like it popped. And ever since then, I have been struggling again. Now, I will say I haven't been struggling with eating in that I avoid eating because I want my body to look a certain way. I think that my avoidance with food is a coping mechanism, and I was talking about this with my therapist, because I don't really eat lunch. I wasn't eating breakfast either, but I recently got some protein bars back in my life because I'm just not hungry in the morning, and it wasn't because of anything other than I thought that eating was going to mess up my workflow, which is so not true. Every time I eat three meals a day, I feel so nourished, so energized, so like, I don't, um, what's the word? It Like in line, attuned, har- in harmony, <laughs> balanced. I, I always, I always feel so much better. And you know what? When I force myself to get up and stop working, and eat a meal, I always come back and I'm more energized and awake. But I tell myself, and I have this narrative, that that's not going to happen. And while I was talking about this with my therapist, we tried to trace it back to where this came from. I have uh, parents that put a lot of pressure on me In different ways. I'm an only child. My mother is a first generation Cuban American. Her parents did not speak English. She uh, experienced a lot of poverty and hardship growing up. So I feel a lot of pressure from her that is not intentional, but uh, there to succeed because she succeeded and she put in so much hard work to really overcome. Her situations. My dad was just also a high achiever uh, academically later on in life and has his own company and is an accountant and always talked about me being a doctor and put high emphasis on grades. So having all this pressure on top of being an only child and wanting my parents to be proud of me, I became very overloaded in high school. And I was taking a ton of AP classes, playing sports, doing a ton of volunteer work, working. And I just really was like jam packed in every single day. And when I would come home from football practice to do like my AP history work, I would not let my mom bring me dinner until I was done with my homework. And I would not get out of my uh, practice clothes or school clothes until I was done with my homework because I wanted those comforts to be a reward for getting things done. So that's when my food as reward, not food as fuel idea started. And I think what we, what we determined, I just had to stop because the baby woke up because the UPS guy came here. So, with Queen Regina, my therapist, I think what we determined is that that was a period of high stress where what I needed to get everything done and done well was some type of external reward and what I had control over to reward myself with what I what I ultimately wanted in those times of high stress was just to relax and not be doing that much stuff. So how I coped and how I got through it and how I got everything done was by delaying dinner and regular comforts for after everything was done. And it was a good motivator for me. Now, it does sound like torture probably to a lot of people, but that's just what i developed to get me through that time and i think now it has become a coping mechanism and when i find myself in periods of high stress where a lot of things need to get done and a lot of things need to get done well and i need to be a lot of things for a lot of different people i revert back to that and i'm clearly in that period now i'm juggling my hr job with keeping up with social media with young living and essential oils with being a wife and being a mother and trying to keep all of this balanced and not drop any of it and so i'm reverting back to using food as a reward um here are some so i don't have an explicit answer for reminding ourselves that food is fuel, but here's what I'm doing. I have perfect bars that I keep in the fridge and we try our hardest not to run out now because if I don't have them, I don't eat them. First thing in the morning, I get up before I go outside and put my feet in the earth. I get a perfect bar and I eat it. I try not to think too much about it because If I wait too long to eat it, I'm not gonna eat it because I'm not hungry. So I kind of just shove it in my mouth. That's what she said. And then get to work. So at least I have something in my stomach. Lunch is a bit harder for me, but I have not been putting pressure on eating a full meal. So we have snacks around the house. I have lunch, deli meat and cheese, so I can make little roll-ups very quickly if I need to run out in between meetings. And we keep like pretzel chips and pita chips and hummus and some kind of dip always on hand so I can have those as snacks throughout the day. That's a lot less daunting for me. And when I see snacks as options, I don't think of it so much as this is a heavy meal that's going to take time to make and eat and will weigh me down physically and therefore stunt my productivity. I see it more as just a snack that's going to get me through to the other side. It's not as scary. And I have no problem with eating dinner. And my hope is that by at just eating throughout the day, small meals, small snacks, I will retrain myself to know more intimately that eating throughout the day does lead to more success and productivity and feeling good. Because I know that cognitively, right? There are a lot of things in our lives that we we know are facts mentally, but we don't know them in our bodies. So I can be sitting here doing work at 2.30, having not had anything to eat and know, man, my energy is going down. I know that if I ate a meal I would be able to go a couple more hours and I would feel really good about myself and I would have really low anxiety and I would have more productivity and creativity running through me but I just can't get over that hump in my mind that emotional part to take that action step because there's something just like deeply ingrained in me that still is telling me that it's not the truth so I'm hoping by eating throughout the day I can start to train myself to get over that hump and know that food is fuel and really recover that relationship that I had with food and with my body that I used to have. I know that doesn't really answer your question, but that's where I'm at right now. And hopefully it provides you with at least some comfort knowing that it's okay to struggle and it's okay to not have all of the answers, but... As long as we have good intentions and we're working towards that, sometimes that's the biggest celebration we can have. The next comment was, you are always super upbeat and positive. How do you stay optimistic when things get hard? I love this question. Somebody or people have been asking it a lot lately and it's really forced me to sit down and think, hmm, why am I so Optimistic and bubbly. I'm definitely not happy all the time necessarily. I struggle really, really badly with depression if I don't take my meds like two days in a row. It is a very quick spiral. But I do have an answer to this because I am still able to see silver linings and be positive and hopeful in the face of hopelessness in what I've experienced. When I was in middle school, I have a vivid memory of a friend of mine mentioning in passing that I complain a lot. And I was so taken aback that people had this opinion of me. I had never considered myself someone who complained. But ever since someone that person said that to me, I became hyper aware of every time I complained. And I think it was a lot. Um, once I started paying attention to it, and once I started paying attention to it, I could learn to control it. And so instead of complaining when I was in a situation where someone, an average person would complain, I chose to verbalize the positive. Well, at least X (laughs) insert positive way that to look at the situation and that became my knee-jerk reaction in everyday life always look at the positive don't be the girl that complains and it became so ingrained in my personality that in eighth grade my superlative in the yearbook was most optimistic here is the second part to that answer when i was in high school i had a yoga class it was super cool it was like our it was a class on my Um, report card, we had midterms, finals, we learned Sanskrit, we learned different uh, types of yoga, different ways to uh, get people into asanas, adjustments, we learned about the body and anatomy. It It was so cool. And one of the first times we got into pigeon pose, which, if you don't know, pigeon is a pose where you um, like swing your knee and ankle so that your shin is parallel to your chest and your other leg is straight back and you lean forward. It's a very deep hip opener. And if you've never done it before, the first time you get into it is in- insanely uncomfortable. But it's really important to do because the reason that it's uncomfortable is because a whole bunch of, if, I'm, if I recall correctly, lactic acid is being released from that area that's been built up over years and years and years. Your hips are also, and that area are also where you hold a lot of stored, unresolved emotions. And anytime we would get into uh, pigeon or any other uncomfortable asana, our teacher would walk us through it, always advising to not complain about how uncomfortable it felt, because all that does is make the person next to me also focus on their discomfort. And before you know it, everyone in the room is just sitting in discomfort when what they should be doing is sitting in silence with themselves their minds their thoughts and their bodies and processing whatever needs to be processed and teaching themselves how whatever they need to teach themselves to sit through that discomfort and become comfortable with it so those moments also solidified the idea that complaining has no purpose it doesn't serve anyone it doesn't serve me and what i could do instead is trust that the discomfort would end and the discomfort would serve me. And it always did. She also taught us during the same time, the best way to get through pain is to feel it. And that was also true. Anytime I would get into an uncomfortable position, if I pushed the pain away, I was focusing more on the pain. But if I was able to allow myself mentally and emotionally To lean into, feel, embrace the discomfort and the sensations, the more quickly they would evaporate. And every time I came out of these positions, I did feel so much better. And these were ideas that also got me through three days of (laughs) unmedicated labor at home. So I think those two were the main events and catalysts in my life that one, made me more optimistic, and two, gave me the trust that leaning into discomfort will make things easier and, and yield a reward. And then I think just having those two experiences as foundations has been incredibly imperative whenever I've come through hardships in my life, uh, whether that's severe mental illness, loss, um, periods of extreme stress and, you know, ickiness, terribleness, not goodness. I have have known over and over again and I've seen over and over again that despite that hardship that I'm feeling in the moment, I know that if I can just get through to the other side and feel the emotions, it will not last forever. And it will end more quickly and I will become better because of it and every time it's true every time I go through something challenging I keep my head up I keep walking forward and I and I don't dwell on the discomfort or how upset I might be at my circumstances instead I just feel it I go through it I continue I don't complain And I just radically trust that whatever is happening to me is happening for a reason and is teaching me something that I need to be taught in order to develop myself spiritually or emotionally more to be the mother, wife, friend, daughter that I need to be molded into to be. And so that is why recently in my hardship, I have been so able to say Things are hard and shitty and I'm having a really difficult time, but I know also that there is hope in this, that I am learning things through this that I might not know right now, but I will know in the future and that this season is temporary and that these types of seasons usually come before massive growth and abundance so unfortunately these lessons and my way of being and seeing the world i think has a lot to do with the influences that i've had and the experiences that i've experienced firsthand but if i could give you any piece of advice i just hope that you will listen when i say whatever hardship you are going through it is temporary and if you are going if you feel like you're just getting hit one after the other and you just keep getting knocked down, I want you to know that if you can keep moving forward and keep your head up, there will be reward on the other side. You just have to keep going. All right, next question. Uh, Not a question, just a statement. Woo-woo getting prego. (laughs) So I do have some woo-woo things that I did. To get pregnant. Now, I do want to say I don't struggle with any reproductive um, challenges. I don't have I don't have anything um, that my that my reproductive organs are, are being challenged with to prevent or make pregnancy harder. I do come from a family of women who are fertile. I have always had regular periods. I am not a fertility expert by any means. Obviously, I am not a medical expert, but these are things that I picked up. And while my first pregnancy was a miscarriage, I did try to get pregnant twice on purpose, and I did get pregnant both of those times. This, and it was methodical. So I was on birth control for... Probably about 14 years. So if someone tries to tell you that you're going to have a hard time getting pregnant because you were on birth control for that long, do not let, do not let that be what brings you down. Mentally, we can have a lot of power over our bodies too. And I think that having a lot of negative self-talk towards your body, whether it's with fertility or with anything, um, can have a profound impact on how your body responds physically. So I was on birth control for about 14 years. And when we decided that we were in a place where we might want to start trying, I got off of birth control, obviously, and I waited, purposely avoiding getting pregnant until my menstrual cycle synced up with the moon cycle. I had read somewhere that women whose menstrual cycles were synced up with the moon in that they were ovulating on the full moon and bleeding on the new moon were much more fertile and it made sense and it was really cool because when um, our ancestors were not exposed to unnatural light and lived by you know the sun rises and sunsets their menstrual cycles synced up with the moon phases because the full moon was at its brightest at night we could see each other when we were having sex and it was it was much easier to find each other and and see each other and you know partake in that activity whereas when we were bleeding it was in the dark in in the nighttime you could not see each other it was a time to go inward and so what you'll find is if you Try to intentionally reduce your exposure to artificial light and spend more time outside. Your cycle will slowly, at least for me and the people that I've spoken to, will start to slowly sync up with the cycles of the moon. So I waited until I was more or less ovulating on the full moon and bleeding on the new moon to try. Uh, not woo woo, but a couple of about a month before we started trying, I started testing my ovulation on ovulation strips so I could really get familiar and hone in on what my body felt like and what the ovulation strips looked like when I was actually actively hormonally ovulating. Around this time, I also would put crystals on my sacral chakra, specifically um, carnelian, to open up clear and activate that chakra. And then we tried and, and we did get pregnant and we are very lucky to have done that. There are some other things that, um, I would have done and we'll probably do the next time to encourage that again. So yes to the moon, yes to carnelian, also, supporting my body with essential oils. You guys know that I'm going to bring it in. Progestins Plus is a really great hormonal support oil that Young Living has that um, has uses, I believe, wild yam, which is a phytoestrogen. Oof, I could be messing those words up. That helps um, support your hormones when it comes to the female reproductive system. Endoflex, which uh, supports your endocrine system. And additionally supports hormonal balance, and I would probably also use oils on my sacral chakra as well. Getting a little bit more detailed, um, not again, back out out of the woo-woo. We when I was in my window of fertility, when I knew that I was ovulating, I know that there are a lot of different theories out there. (laughs) People will say like, have sex every other day. You need time for the sperm to recalibrate. No, we did it like twice a day every day during that time. And sure enough, I got pregnant. So let's review, get off of birth control. Obviously start spending more time outside and less time in artificial light. Um, and wait to try until your, Period and menstrual cycle is synced up with the moon. Open up your sacral chakra with oils and crystals and use essential oils to support your hormones and your cycle. And then keep in mind the basics. Make sure you're getting plenty of good rest. Make sure that you are eating a balanced diet just to support your body and make sure that your all of your body systems are working as they should be so that they can support a healthy baby support your gut health and yeah gut health and sleep health foundational oh and since a second person asked for tips on getting pregnant and being fertile um, clary sage is also a really really good oil for uh, female hormones according to my little um, essential oils reference guide that i've been developing over the last few months Uh, Greek herbalists used clary sage to support women's health over 2,000 years ago. Clary sage relieves pelvic pain and reduces inflammation by balancing estrogen. Fennel also is an oil that aids in digestion and eases pain. Apply any of these oils that I have mentioned to your inner thighs and arms as well as to your inner heel and ankle and like the insides of your feet as well it is my understanding that these are reflex vitaflex points that are directly correlated to female reproductive systems making your home more woo-woo bringing in peaceful colors and decor the person that asks this is known for i don't know i guess i do have a little bit of a a more woo-woo house than other people do because i display my oils i display my crystals out in different areas i have pictures of the moon everywhere i also like to display all of my spiritual books so in my house you'll find usually prominently displayed um, the untethered the untethered soul by michael singer the book of joy by the Dalai Lama and Reverend Desmond Tutu. Probably The Journey Home by Radhanath Swami. The Spirit Almanac Crystal Reference Guides, Essential Oil Reference Guides, Chris, I already said that, Herbal Reference Guides. I have diffusers all around my house constantly blasting essential oils. Like I said earlier, I display my essential oils and i display my crystals so i don't really have my crystals in specific places just because like where they would be naturally correlated to like you know selenite above your door frame or amethyst in your medicine cabinet or black tourmaline by your door um but i do have like celestite by my bed and amethyst by my bed i i like to display them though so most of them are in my living room i keep Unichite and black tourmaline by a picture of my son for protection and love unikite was a crystal that i leaned on heavily during my pregnancy i keep usually in my office carnelian and uh, malachite and pyrite and aventurine usually balancing between all of those by my bed i keep celestite Selenite, which is actually satin spar, and amethyst for relaxation. And then in my um, area where I keep my manifestations is where my pyrite and my aventurine and malachite live, and my carnelian live. But anytime that I'm out, like at TJ Maxx or Marshalls, and I see something that has to relate to the moon or or something beautiful that just like brings me back to nature and to earth and and those quote woo-woo things that aren't really woo-woo. I, I am always finding myself drawn to those. So I have lots of moon paintings, lots of moon pictures, moon stuff painted by former students that I like to display. And I I think that's it. I don't I don't think of myself as having a traditionally woo house but i guess a little bit i do i mean you'll look into my cabinet and you'll see like medicines brewing though i wish it was more it's nowhere near where i want it to be with my little home herbal apothecary but yes oils crystals spiritual books those are the big ones um do oh the last question do you journal yes journaling is so important to me when I was in middle school, I had found little journal entries that I had written when I was younger and I thought they were so funny and it would, they were so cool to look back on when I was in like second, third, fourth grade and writing about this drama that was going on. It was like a snippet in time of my experience and opinions and... I thought it was so cute, and so I thought to myself, wow, how awesome would this be if I was reading something 10 years from now, right now, and I began journaling, and I wrote in a diary every single day from eighth grade until probably the middle of college. Later on in college, I started not writing every day, but most nights of the week. I just, I didn't, I didn't beat myself up if there was a night that I was you know, late coming home for whatever reason and didn't have time to write. And through early adulthood, writing in journals every night, nothing really specific, just about my day and what I was feeling and what I did that day and my opinions on what things happened, things that happened. Nothing, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything very esoteric. And then I found probably around age 25, I started really falling off and I was only writing like once or twice a week. And now it's even less than that. And unfortunately I can really tell the difference when I was writing in a journal every night, the most seemingly mundane things about my day, about interactions that I had, text messages I received friendships. I can tell now that I just felt so much emotionally lighter and what I find is when I don't journal for a significant period of time, I just feel heavier and I feel emotional overwhelm, like I'm going to spill over. And I, th- I mean, it's because for so long I was able to be in a practice of getting my thoughts and emotions out and processing them very quickly. And now it's to the point where I don't grab my journal until... My emotions are literally busting at the seams, begging to be put out of my brain, out of my body and onto a piece of paper. And then I, it comes a time where I'm like writing pages and pages, of getting caught up and processing multiple emotions and multiple um, events that have happened and transpired and sometimes days worth of emotional work, which when I was doing this every single day, I didn't really think of it as emotional work. I was thinking of it as... A way to memorialize what was going on in my life but now in retrospect i was quickly and efficiently and appropriately processing things and i'm trying to get back into that space of journaling where i'm just journaling so much every day on my feelings on things that are going on that i'm always on top of my emotions and processing things very quickly other than just keeping a general diary, I love journaling with intention and to either work through emotions or to uncover. Un- this is going to sound so silly and woo woo, but uncover messages that I think are lying in my subconscious that I would not in the day-to-day have access to, but are (sighs) realizations and and knowledge of my higher self that that I know and that I need information on. Mm, That didn't sound right. Let me explain. So I don't know where I learned stream of consciousness journaling, but it's incredible. What I will do is just start writing in my journal. And if you have trouble just starting writing stuff, you can start with a sentence starter. Um, I, today I am feeling blank and fill in the blank and then continue writing. And a lot of people find that they have trouble continuing writing. So today I am feeling anxious and I don't know why I'm writing in this journal, but I was listening to Susie's podcast and she told me that stream of consciousness journaling is really, really helpful and I need a lot of help right now. And she told me that When I'm stream of consciousness journaling, I'm not allowed to pick up my pen until I feel empty, even if I'm writing nonsense like this, where I don't really know what I'm doing. But I'm feeling like I really need to just trust her and do this because so-and-so did this to me, and I have been having a really hard time getting through it. And this is exactly what happened, and this is how I felt about it. And I don't know why I felt this way about it, but it kind of reminded me of this time when this also happened. And what you'll find we're done in the little monologue now, what you will find is once you start writing and uh, transcribing the thoughts that are passing through your mind, you start getting through deeper and deeper layers of your consciousness. And you get to the stuff that matters. You might start writing about how silly you think this journaling prompt is. And then that turns into why are you doing this journaling prompt to begin with? And then that turns into, well, this is the problem that I'm dealing with. And then it turns into, well, these are the emotions that I'm feeling, which turns into, well, this is the first time that I felt these emotions in my life. And that's what is being triggered. And then you start getting deeper and deeper into why you might be experiencing something, why you might be feeling something until you can get as close as you can to the root of it. And what I like to do after this is once I feel empty and I feel like there's nothing else for me to write, I review everything that I've written and I'll highlight and underline important nuggets of information. Because you will always, always find that if you've done this right, if you've written, if you have not held back, if you have not worried about grammar and sentence structure and things making sense you will get to a point in your mind where you have addressed and found thoughts that are profound you will find answers you will find wisdom you will find advice that you need um, that you weren't able to access because your mind was so clouded with superficial unnecessary day-to-day thoughts and setting aside time to document those thoughts And dig through them allows you to get to the thoughts and the space that matters so yes to answer your question I journal I think journaling is incredibly important I think everyone should do it if you don't want to do it every day like I do I think it is an incredible tool when you feel stuck When you feel like you have no idea where to turn next, when you're having trouble making a decision, when you feel like you're in a conflict and you're not sure how to find the resolution or you don't even want to find the resolution and you just want to get frustration out, I think it is an incredible tool, Um, not just to get emotions out of you, but to use as a tool to process and, and find answers within yourself that you would not find otherwise. I hope that makes sense. And I hope it conveys how important, um, journaling has been for me and in my life. So that's all I've got for you today. I will be honest. I didn't want to sit down and set aside time for this podcast. I am still in the space where I feel, silly talking alone basically to my wall looking at my framed picture of stevie nicks pretty much talking to her recording myself but i know that it's important and for me it's kind of like a verbal form of journaling where i can get things thoughts feelings out and share them and i know that listening to other people's podcasts especially the ones that are more vulnerable like mine are really helpful to me because I will I will listen to people who are going through things that I've been through or going through things that I will go through and listening to them talk and be vulnerable, vulnerable about them is helpful for me and gives me a lot of insight and a lot of strength and makes me feel less alone and I, I hope that this provides that feeling for someone or for a couple of you. So until next week, I'm going to, try to, I'm going to try to get some people on the podcast and get my life together now that my mother-in-law is here and get some cool conversations going. But thanks for hanging out, you and me this week, whether you're listening in the car, while you're getting ready in the morning, um, however you like to listen to podcasts in the middle of the night when you can't go to sleep and you're breastfeeding. I'm glad that you're here. I love having a relationship with you guys. Thank you for listening to me. I hope you have the best day ever. Thank you so much for joining me this week for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode or you enjoy the podcast in general, I would love for you to subscribe so you'll never miss out on upcoming episodes featuring other brilliant minds and insightful topics. Also, don't forget to rate and review while you're at it. Your ratings and feedback mean the world to me and help me reach more listeners. So, Misty and Loves You, have the best day ever, same time next week. Bye.